Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. Please listen as Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, teaches from God's Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at stevewood 2 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Good morning, everyone. Hey, it's good to see you today. Glad you're able to be with us and uh, thankful that we're able to worship on Sunday again, right? Glad that we're able to be together. And um, we're going to get right into our service in just a moment. But one of the things I wanted to say to you today is that it looks like we're going to be able to continue to meet on Sundays for the foreseeable future. And uh, so continue to be praying about that. That's, that's what we're hoping. That's what it looks like. But Mensa has said that churches are still under uh, strict restrictions. And uh, we're only able to meet on Sunday morning like we're doing right now. We were hoping, and some of the churches had already started meeting at other times, but uh, from what they told us, it's just on Sunday morning from, uh, for uh, one hour, or whatever day. They didn't tell us we couldn't meet on Fridays if we've got the weekend closed down or so forth. But anyway, uh, the uh, hour that we've got on Sunday morning is all that we've got right now. But thank you for being here. We're glad that you're able to come and worship with us. Let us have our opening prayer this morning. Regan, he's been away. He's been to the United States. Would you come and lead us in our opening prayer, please? And, and um, uh, they are going to be going back permanently to the United States. But we're going to use them all we can while they're here. And Sandy is going to get ready to sing when her voice Amen. is able. And uh, we'll have her to sing uh, as soon as she can. Regan, please read us in our opening prayer. Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, at this time we can assemble in your house again this morning. Just thank you for the opportunity, dear Lord. We'll be with the ones that are not here this morning, dear Lord. And just bring them back to your house. And dear Lord, we just ask you to be with the pastors to bring your message. And just bless them in a mighty and special way. And especially uh, give Miss Wanda... A special blessing there with her knees, dear Lord. And thank you so much for, for our pastor and his wife. And thank you now in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Our uh, opening hymn this morning is In Christ Alone.
I'm just looking around. We don't have very many empty seats, do we? And hopefully we've got some more coming in, maybe. Who knows? I, I had some promises of other people to be here today. And uh, so if they come, uh, it'll fill some more of these seats up. And we're glad that you're here. We're very thankful that you're able to be here and worship with us today. And uh, so uh, our next song, Take My Life. And let it be. Let us stand if you would like to.
shall be thy royal. I don't know whether you've noticed this morning, but all of our songs have been about Jesus. There's a reason for that. The last song that we're going to sing is, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. I, I guess that's the one we're going to get up, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus today. That's mostly what we're going to be looking at and talking about and thinking about. We're starting a series of messages today about the seven churches of Asia that are recorded in the book of Revelation, chapters 1 through 3. Today is sort of an introduction. So if I continue with this, like I have it planned and like it's mapped out. <laughs> Give me leeway that I might change things as we go, but uh, I think we're going to have eight messages, counting the one today, one for each of the seven churches, and then this introductory message that we're going to be looking at today. And um, so hopefully this is something that will be a benefit Helpful, encouraging. Some people say, I don't like to study the book of Revelation because it's so discouraging. No. To me, it's encouraging. And this first chapter in particular, as we look at the subject that's here. Now, the subject is really not the seven churches of Asia in this first chapter. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 20, so a fairly lengthy reading, but if you would turn there with me, and we're going to begin with the ninth verse, the ninth verse of Revelation chapter 1, and uh, I sent this out in my email, and some of you came in today and said, oh, I've read this already. All right, good. <laughs> well, we're going to read it again, but that's, uh, I'm glad you read it, and that will give you the information about what we're going to be talking about today. Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from the Holloman translation this morning. And it says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, kingdom, and endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of God's word and the testimony about Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet saying, Write on the scrolls what you, have, what you, have, what you see and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. When I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a long robe 
with a gold sash wrapped around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine brass as it is fired in the furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand. A sharp double-edged sword came out from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at midday. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore write what you have seen, what is, and what will take place after this. The secret of the seven stars in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels or messengers of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come again before your throne, help us today that as we look at this particular passage of Scripture, we might so benefit from it that we'll be different from this day forward. There's such a message here for us, for our church, and for our day and time. And our Father, I pray that your blessings would be upon each one that's here today. Help us to honor you with all that we do. And I pray your blessings upon our church. And I pray that your will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. For we ask it in the glorious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we're looking at here. Amen. The background for Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20 that we read just a moment ago is interesting. We're going to be looking at some things, I think, that, that um, are going to set forth this particular passage of Scripture in the light that God wanted it. Now notice, first of all, John tells us who he is. He says, he is a brother and partner. A partner in tribulation. A partner in the kingdom. A partner in the endurance of Jesus Christ. Now let me stop for just a moment and let's think about that. John is telling us what our responsibility is as a child of God. We are to 
endure the tribulation that we have around us as we give forth the message of the kingdom and of Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility in our day and time as God's children, as the people of God. And then let us notice the description that he gives about where he is. He's on the Isle of Patmos. This island is a very small island out in the Aegean Sea. Now, how small was it? Well, sometimes we need some comparisons in order for us to see just what size it was. I was stationed in Bermuda when I was in the military. And, yeah, some of you laugh, but <laughs> it was a hard assignment. <laughs> but, you know, after we were there for a couple of years, that got to be a very small place. At the widest place, Bermuda is one mile wide. One mile. There's only one place you can go on that island that you can't see ocean on one side or the other. And that's in that one mile strip because when you go across the island and there's a road that goes across it at that widest place, you go up over a hill and down into a valley. And then when you come out on the other side, you go up over a hill and down to the coast. And so down in that valley, you can't see either coast. That's the only place that you can't see the ocean. Anyway, Bermuda is 53 square kilometers total. Pretty small, huh? Well, Patmos is 34 square kilometers in size. It's small. <laughs> The Isle of Patmos had become a penal colony and there were mines there. And John was sent there to help with the mining operation. Now let me just tell you a little bit about John at this particular time in his life. John was old. John was between 95 and 98 years old. I think that's old, don't you? Now, when I said 60 a little bit ago, uh, I said, oh, that's, that's young. <laughs> well, I, I think in the mid-90s, that's, that's, you know, when I get there, I, I think I'm going to be old. I don't think I'm old today, but I'm going to be old when I get in the mid-90s. John lived until about 105 A.D. He lived to be about a hundred years old. Now you remember Jesus had told Peter when he asked him how John was going to die. He had told Peter how he was going to die. And he said, well, what about John? And Jesus had said to him, 
If John lives until I return, what is that to you? In other words, it's none of your business how long he's going to live or how he's going to die. And he didn't predict, he didn't tell how John was going to leave this world. And a lot of people believed when he was living and he got so old, and that this was old back then because people didn't live that long back in that day and time. And when he was in his 90s, people were saying, he's going to live until Jesus returns. <laughs> well, history tells us that he did die in Ephesus. He was released from Patmos and was able to go back to Ephesus and pastored the church at Ephesus until he died. When he was 100 years old, he was still pastoring a church. Can you believe that? So... Don't fuss at me because I'm too old a pastor. <laughs> when I get to be 100, then you can tell me, hey, it's time for you to retire, pastor. Maybe it will be by then, if I live that old, to be that old. But anyway, there's rumor that John is still living. Did you know that? Yeah. Some people have said that John is still living in Asia Minor somewhere. And how old would he be now? Wow. I, I, I don't believe it. You know, I don't believe that's true. But anyway. Now, he was there because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he says he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Well, what day is that? It's Sunday. It's Sunday. The churches by that time had begun to worship on Sunday and not Saturday. So if you ever wonder when the change came, it was around the last of the very first century that they began to worship almost exclusively on Sunday, which is the Lord's Day. Why is it called the Lord's Day? Because He arose from the dead on the first day of the week. This is His day. We worship Him on His day. You know, we worship on Easter Sunday. That's, that's a time when some, uh, some people worship any time of the year. <laughs> They don't worship any other time. They come on Easter Sunday. But Easter is on Sunday, isn't it? It's Easter Sunday. And so it's only right that we come together and worship on Sunday today. Now, beginning with the ninth verse, I mean, I'm sorry, with the tenth verse there, we have a description of Jesus. Jesus came for a visit. John there on the Isle of Patmos, exiled there, and Jesus shows up. Have you ever seen the television show Undercover Boss? It's a show in the United States, and corporate executives disguise themselves as a common laborer, a worker. 
And they come and, and they work side by side with their employees. Unrecognized as who they are. And then at the end of the show, it's revealed who they are. And, and uh, these workers are very surprised that this is their boss. He looks so much different in his suit <laughs> and so forth than what he did as someone working beside of them. But let us notice as Jesus came and appeared to John there on the island. Jesus had come to earth before, hadn't he? But he came that time as a baby. And he grew up among us, the Bible says. And he didn't look any different than anyone else. He was just one of the people there in that area. But as he appears to John here on the Isle of Patmos, he doesn't look like everybody else, does he? There's a lot of difference. Now John had seen Jesus transformed when he was up on the mountain with him. Peter, James, and John had gone up on the mountain with him. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration, don't we? And Jesus was transfigured before them. But I don't think His glory, and He did depict the glory of God to the disciples there. And remember, they wanted to build three tabernacles. Which wasn't what God wanted them to do. But anyway, as He appeared here on the Isle of Patmos, we see the full glory of God as He's there. Jesus had asked the Father to glorify Him while He was still on earth. In John chapter 17, verse 5, it says, Now, Father, glorify Me in Your presence with that glory I had with You before the world began. And this is the glory that Jesus has today. If we should see Jesus in His glorified condition today, I think every one of us would fall down on our face just like John did. Don't you? Now, as if to reassure John, Jesus reached down His right hand and he let him know that he was the same Savior that he'd always been. The same one that was with him while he was on earth. And in essence, he was telling him, you don't have to be down in the dirt to worship me. Now, we don't get down in the dirt to worship the Lord today, do we? But do we have the respect for the Lord we ought to have in our day and time? Now our worship is composed of singing hymns, right? It's composed of praying prayers. 
is composed of reading God's Word. It's composed of a message like I'm giving here this morning. We call that worship, don't we? But do we really have the respect and do we really give the honor to the Lord that we really ought to give as John was giving here on the Isle of Patmos when he saw Jesus? We ought to be in awe of Him. We, we ought to see Him and His glory as we worship Him. So I would encourage you to think in our worship how we need to reverence Him as we come into His house. Now let us go back and, and look at the description that we have of Jesus because I think that's important as well. Verses 10 and 11 tell us about His words. What John heard. Now, this came from behind Him. And He tells us the voice was like the voice of a trumpet talking to me. Now you know what a trumpet is. Have you ever heard a trumpet talk? Musicians can so fix that trumpet where it sounds like words, doesn't it? And this is what John is talking about here. The words he heard, they were very plain, don't get me wrong. They, they were very understandable. Sometimes as you hear someone using a trumpet and trying to make it sound like words, you don't get everything. But I think as Jesus talked, he got everything. It was just that the sound was like a trumpet. And Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And he said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. We're going to be looking at each one of these seven churches in the future. And see what Jesus had to say to each one of these churches and see what kind of message it gives to us at Hillside? Because the Lord is giving a message to us just as surely as He gave a message to each one of those churches. And I think that there are things from every one of those churches that fit us. That He is saying to us and that we need to take to heart. And then let us notice the description we have of Jesus in verses 12 through 16. This is when John turns around and he sees Jesus in his glory. And he sees him, first of all, standing among seven lampstands. Lamps. These represent the seven churches, he tells us. 
This tells us the responsibility we have as a church. This tells us the responsibility that every church has in the world today. To give forth light. Do you remember Jesus said, you are the light of the world? And men don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand that it might give light unto all that are in the house. That is telling us we need to put our light with all the other lights in this church to let it shine for Jesus. The light is the message that the world can see from our church. We need to burn brightly for Him. And then, let us notice the gold of these golden lampstands. The gold represents the deity, the glory of Jesus Christ. And the implied olive oil that's in the lamps to make them burn, and, and everyone would have understood at that day and time that it took oil in the lamps in order for them to burn, in order for them to give a light. That oil represents the Holy Spirit. And we find that in many different places in the Scriptures. I don't know whether any of you had to use coal oil lamps or not. Now we didn't use them very often. We had electricity in the house where I grew up. I'm not as old as you may be thinking I am, but anyway, we, we did have electricity. But I remember one ice storm that we had and all the electricity went out where I live. And for a month, for four weeks, we were without electricity. Well, you know what we did? My dad went back and got the old coal oil lamps that they used to use prior to having electricity. <laughs> and we use kerosene lamps to light our home. Well, that's similar to what we're talking about here. The lamps have no light in themselves, do they? It takes oil in those lamps in order for it to produce light. Now, he said that he saw Jesus as one like unto the Son of Man. Now there's only one other time in the book of Revelation where there is an emphasis on His humanity and His humility. And that's found in Revelation 14, verse 14. Where it says, Then I looked, and there was a white cloud, and one like the Son of Man was seated on the cloud, with a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Now that's a lesson for another day, but you see, Jesus is depicted there 
in his humanity, a human being, a person. And now let us notice a description of what John saw. It said he was in a garment down to his feet. The high priest and the judges in Israel wore a garment like that. So it would depict his priestly office and his judgmental office. He had a golden belt. Now, a belt, we think of a belt usually as something that's around our waist, don't we? Men and women both wear belts sometimes. And belts around the waist depict service. Notice what it says in John 13, verses 4 and 5, in the English Standard Version. It says, Jesus rose from the supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him service serving his disciples again that's that's a different lesson than what we're what we're wanting to look at today but this belt was around his chest now a belt worn in that manner also depicts a priest or a judge the high priest had this belt with a gold thread in that belt. But now Jesus' is, is pure gold. It's not just a thread. You look back in the Old Testament and you find how that they took a thread of gold and wove it in that garment. But Jesus is his pure gold. And notice what it says about the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2 verse 5. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. But it says, Remember now how far you have fallen... Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from the place unless you repent. The lampstand that Jesus was walking among can be removed. This means the authority of that church. It means that they no longer have a place as a church in the work of God. In Isaiah 1 verse 5, it says, Why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? You see, the church at Ephesus was rebelling. And he says, Why do you want more beatings? Why do you, want, uh, why do you keep on rebelling? 
the whole head is hurt and the whole heart is sick. I think that's what God is saying about churches that are not working for the Lord and not giving forth the message that they're supposed to be giving. They're not the light that they need to be to the world. The whole heart is sick. And then in Leviticus chapter 24, it tells us Aaron is in charge of keeping those lamps burning in front of the curtain the testimony in the tent of meetings from evening to morning continually before God. This is a perpetual decree down through the generations. Aaron is responsible for keeping the lamps burning continually on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord. Keeping the lamp burning. Now, I think that, that there's an implication there about a responsibility that the leaders in a church have to keep that burning. But all of us as members have a responsibility to do that as well, don't we? And now, let us go on and, and notice more descriptions of Jesus. His hair was white as wool or snow. Purity rather than age is what it's talking about here in Daniel 7 verse 9 it says as I looked thrones were placed and the ancient of days took his seat his clothing was white as snow and the hair on his head like pure wool his throne was fiery flames its wheels were burning fire the description that Daniel gives us of what he saw in his vision. Much like what we see John describing here, right? His feet. His eyes. Uh, let, me, let me not skip over that. His eyes were like flames of fire. He is looking at us. And he is able to see everything about us, right? And then his feet were like fine brass as though they were heated in a furnace. Now it's not just brass, but they were glowing like brass would be in a furnace. And this symbolizes divine judgment. And in Revelation 19, verse 15, it says, A sharp sword came from his mouth. John saw that sharp sword in his vision of Jesus here in chapter 1. And in verse 19, it says that sword was so that he might strike the nations with it. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. All of these things that John saw about Jesus have a meaning. They tell us about who Jesus is. They tell us what His responsibility is. And remember His voice as a trumpet? Well, here He says it was like 
mighty waters. I remember one time when I was going out into the woods to, to hunt. And I heard a sound that I had never heard in this part of the woods before. A roaring. And as I kept walking, that roaring got louder. And when I got to it, it was a, a waterfall. It had been raining and raining and raining and raining. And I had been to that particular area many times before. There was never a waterfall there then. But now that day that I was there, there was a waterfall. It was loud. Can you imagine trying to out-talk a roaring waterfall? Well, his voice was like that. And then he held seven stars in his right hand. Now he tells us, he gives us the interpretation of those stars. He said, these stars are the messengers of the seven churches, or the angels of the seven churches. Angels, messengers, means the same thing. And so the messenger, uh, messengers of those seven churches, in other words, the pastors. The pastors of these churches. And the seven pastors had responsibility greater than any of the members of those, uh, those uh, congregations. And they're held in Jesus' right hand. His possession is one thing that we can gather from that. His protection is another thing that we can gather from that. And they're under His sovereign rule if a pastor is serving like he should he's giving forth the message of Jesus Christ he's letting others know what the Bible has to say he's telling them the truth he's telling them what God has said in his word and it's important isn't it pastors have responsibilities to do that and then out of his mouth that sharp two-edged sword. And this is the sword of judgment, isn't it? There's two different swords that are depicted in the scriptures that I think it's important for us to take note of. One is this sword of judgment that's coming out of Jesus' mouth. Another one is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Do you remember that one? Listen to what it says. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. The word of God. The word of God is also a sword. Sometimes when people go out to talk to others about Jesus, they say, take your sword. Well, they're, they're talking about the Bible, aren't they? They're talking about the Word of God. And we need the sword of God in order for us to be effective in our witness. But the revelation sword coming out of Jesus' mouth 
is different than that, isn't it? The Hebrew sword, separation. Judging the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Conviction. Helping the individual understand their lostness before God and their need of His grace. In Revelation, the sword from Jesus' mouth is for judgment. The end time. The end is coming. And then it says, His face was like the shining of the sun at midday. Now there are three lights in the book of Revelation that are depicted. One is that light, Jesus' face, like the sun. Another is the stars, the pastors of the seven churches. And the other is the lampstands, the churches. All are important. All have a meaning. And we need to see how all of these have a part in our lives, in our church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today that we have the privilege of being under the sound of your voice today as it's revealed in the scriptures. If there are those that need to respond, if there are decisions that need to be made, we pray that as we have this final hymn, these would be made and we would see people respond. Help us to do your work and your will. And thank you for the message that your word gives us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us stand and the battle belongs to the Lord is our final hymn. Is there responses that are needed? Come to the front. Come and talk with me.
Amen. Dale, would you make your way up front, please? And we're going to have our dismissal prayer in just a moment. But please remember our church and our services as we meet each Sunday now, hopefully, and uh, be praying for our services already for next Sunday. We're going to be talking about the seven churches in the next few weeks. So hopefully it'll be an interesting study for each one of you. Dale. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to study your word. Lead God and direct us the rest of this week. Lead us all in the, <clears throat> in the path that you would have us follow of righteousness and of love and of worship to you. Everything's these we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.